0: From the Alumni Association of the University of Michigan, this is the Voices of Victor's podcast. In this episode, the holiday season is warming up, or depending where you live, cooling off. It's traditionally a time to reflect and spend time with family. We'd like to share with you a couple of stories about your University of Michigan family. The first comes from Debbie Stevenson Pickus, class of 95. As read by Reese, an alumna recalls the mutual devotion between her family and the University of Michigan's Glee Club.
1: I am part of a devoted University of Michigan family. My older sister, younger twin brothers, and I all followed in our father's footsteps and attended the university. While my brothers and I were U of M students, our father was stricken with scleroderma, a deadly illness that wreaked havoc on his lungs. But that didn't dull his enthusiasm for his alma mater. My brothers, perhaps the most go-blue members of the family, belonged to the men's glee club, and my father, who loved classical music, enjoyed attending their concerts. As time passed, though, he got sicker, and it became increasingly difficult for him to attend. Early in 1997, the glee club performed at our old high school in Gross Point Woods, Michigan, which was fortunate for my father because he had gotten particularly weak and a trek to Ann Arbor may have been too much. So, oxygen tank in tow, he sat in the audience and enjoyed the performance. Unknown to him, though, the singers could hear the subtle hiss of his oxygen. Who is making that Darth Vader noise? One singer complained after the performance. He was quickly reprimanded by a friend of my brother's. That was Bill and Bob's dad. Not long after that concert, my father passed away. We watched our mother struggle to make the funeral arrangements. During the final years of his life, my father had spent increasingly less time with his work peers, and she worried few people would show for the memorial service. Meanwhile, the rest of us tried our best to put our lives on hold for that day. My brothers arranged to miss a performance scheduled for that weekend in Ohio. One of their friends said some of the group would skip it to attend the funeral. For my brother Bill, this would not do. He proceeded to email the entire Glee Club. I know some of you wish to attend my father's memorial service. Although I appreciate the gesture, I know there is a concert scheduled for that weekend. My father always taught us to adhere to our responsibilities. He loved the Glee Club and he would want everyone to honor this commitment. Please don't skip the Ohio concert for the memorial service. On the day of the service, a large bus pulled into the funeral home's parking lot. Out came nearly 100 young men dressed in sport coats and ties. Not only had my brother's email gone unheeded, the entire group had done just the opposite. Director Jerry Blackstone had decided to redirect the travel route so Glee Club members could attend my father's service. But that wasn't all. The men were going to sing as well. Friends and family packed the funeral home's small chapel, and we sat solemn and numb as the pastor spoke of our father's love of the University of Michigan. The football, the pride of seeing his children there, and particularly his enjoyment of listening to his sons sing as part of the glee club. He recounted how one of his last outings was to listen to the glee club perform at the high school. And so today, he said, the University of Michigan Men's Glee Club is doing the honor of performing some pieces in memory of George Stevenson. With that, all the members of the Men's Glee Club stood and raised their voices in song. They first sang the dirge from Shakespeare's Cymbeline in Latin. The crescendo of their voices filled the small chapel and reflected our emotional rawness, moving us in a way that only music can. I did not understand the translation until later, yet I could still feel the message of the song. Fear no more the heat of the sun, nor the furious winter's rages. Thou thy worldly task hast done, home art gone and taken thy wages. Golden lads and girls all must, as chimney sweepers, come to dust. When the group started singing its final piece, my brothers, clad in their first suits, rose from their seats to join them. Their voices carried just beyond the others, the deep notes richly embodying hope in the song, Salvation is Created. I had heard the Glee Club before, but never like that day. People still tell my mother what a moving service it was, and the pastor would later write about this moment to his congregation, commending Director Jerry Blackstone for an action he could only describe as wisdom. I feel deeply honored that the Men's Glee Club performed as they did for my father that day.
0: Debbie Stevenson Peckus class of 95, is a guest teacher and freelance writer and blogs at DebbiePekes.com. She lives with her family in Troy, Michigan. Next on the Voices of Victor's podcast, The Power of Place. Eric Sullivan, class of 98, recalls graduating from the University of Michigan and how an offhanded comment from his grandmother led to a truly unique and compelling story about how families come together around the power of place. My grandfather had always preached about the importance of obtaining a formal education, which I often thought was ironic because, as far as I knew, he had done little to realize this goal for himself. Andrew Yednitsky, or Andy, as most people called him, was the eldest son of nine children born of Ukrainian and Polish immigrants. He dropped out of school in the sixth grade, presumably to work in the Pennsylvania coal mines like his father. However, in the 1920s, the family moved to Cleveland where his father worked in a silk factory. Andy, barely a teenager, attended a cooking program designed to keep juveniles off the streets. After the tragic death of his brother, the family moved on to Ann Arbor, the burgeoning college town with its wide open spaces and clean air was vastly different from the coal mining towns in Pennsylvania and industrialized Cleveland. Andy immediately put his culinary education to work and started cooking at both the Michigan League and the Lawyer's Club. When he wasn't working there, he spent the rest of his time at his mother's Coney Island-style restaurant on East William Street. The whole family contributed in some manner. Andy's sisters waited tables, the in-laws washed dishes, and he and his mother cooked. In addition to traditional Coney Island staples, They served up a menu of pot roasts and soups along with traditional Ukrainian dishes. It was truly a family business, serving the U of M community throughout the Great Depression. But my grandfather's culinary contribution to the U of M community undoubtedly paled in comparison to what he gained in return. Each job offered Andy plenty of time to rub elbows with students and staff. He was privy to academic discussions about people, places, and things that his sixth-grade education could never approach. And he also had access to cultural events at the university's museums, auditoriums, and lecture halls that made his coal mining roots seem as though they were part of a completely different lifetime. I never knew any of these things about my grandfather until I graduated from U of M. While sitting in the Michigan League before my School of Education graduation reception, my grandmother casually mentioned that my grandfather had worked there as a cook. My father remarked that it was interesting how one generation was relegated to work in the building while another generation was honored there. Indeed, it was probable that someone not unlike my grandfather might have worked on the reception's preparations on that day. I've never been able to let go of that image. I have come to suspect that my grandfather's experience in the U of M community probably mirrored my own as a student. I suspect that, like me, he was in awe of the grandeur of the architecture a bit intimidated by the caliber of intellect and extremely pleased to have been afforded the opportunity to live in that city. Judging from his subsequent accomplishments, my grandfather surely made the most of his opportunity. After serving during World War II and earning a bronze star, my grandfather married and headed north to Michigan's Upper Peninsula to pursue a business venture with his brother-in-law. He acted as the company's foreman and spent many hours digging holes, setting poles, and stringing wire cable. In short, He laid the foundation for electrical power to reach all parts of the UP. He was his own boss and was able to provide a comfortable life for his family. None of his achievements, from war hero to successful business owner, would have been possible had my grandfather remained in Cleveland or the coal mining towns of Pennsylvania. He needed to be in a place exactly like Ann Arbor and part of a community exactly like the universities to find the vision and develop the courage to live the life he eventually chose. And because of this, He made it possible for me, his oldest grandson, to become a part of the Michigan community in a way he was never able to, and obtain that education he believed was so important. Such is the power of excellence, tradition, and pride that only a place such as the University of Michigan can instill in all who are a part of our community. Eric Sullivan, class of 98, is originally from Escanaba, Michigan, and currently resides in Lee's Summit, Missouri. Where he teaches english composition at the metropolitan community college longview in honor of his grandfather eric is an active member of the vfw the alumni association of the university of michigan provides community and connection for your fellow alumni have you become a member we invite you to do so visit our website at alumni.umich.edu we are celebrating university of michigan alumni around the globe and this is a platform to tell their stories. If you like what you heard, please give this podcast a rating and review and hit the subscribe button or ask your smart speaker to play the Voices of Victor's podcast. Until next time, wherever you go, go blue.